0: Thank you for that worship and welcoming us into this, uh, this living God that we serve. Are you hearing me okay? Sounds like I've got a lot of reverb. That's not my normal voice. I know we're just getting used to each other. Sounds better. Can you hear me okay? Terrific. It's a joy to come here and be with you guys. Uh, when Corey called and said, would you like to come out and talk to us about Jesus, it didn't take me a long time to pray about that. I thought, what a wonderful invitation. And my hope is not just to stand in the front and talk to you between now and Friday, but to get to know as many of you as, as I can, as you'd like. So the last thing I want to do is, is come out and just speak to you. I'd like to, I'd like to be with you. And I think to be with you uh, would require you guys to do more than treat me as a speaker, if you would. I've tried to open up my schedule and just come and, and be a part of what you're doing, of what God's already doing in this place. And uh, I know I'm a stranger making that offer, but as, as you listen to some of the things that, that I'm trying to present here, and you have questions, and you want a dialogue, that's, that's what I know it's about. You'll learn very little by what I have to say to you, but if we can get into a conversation, and I can listen to you, and you can listen to me, uh, there'll be all the more of an attempt to, to really get to where we want to go, which is being followers of Jesus. Um, boy, tomorrow night... Let me see. No, no, tonight? When's the pornography talk? Tomorrow. Tomorrow night. 170 people showed up there last time? My gosh, that's terrific. What a great statement. I'm going to be with you four times, and these talks will kind of build. They'll stand alone, but they would build on each other as we start to get into this, uh, this time together. Let me just tell you, it's going to be about Jesus. I want you to become refreshed in your astonishment of the person of Jesus. My guess is some of you got rushed into a decision to invite Jesus into your heart, and you're not really sure who you invited in. And it's not that it didn't take, but so many times we're talking about somebody in the person of Jesus that we're not as familiar with like he would have us be familiar with. And I think what I'm looking at with you this morning is in the Gospels, it says that Jesus was the guy who was so astonishing to people. As a matter of fact, in, in Mark's Gospel... The word he uses most for people's response to getting time with Jesus or being around Jesus is one word. They were astonished at who he was. They were amazed and they were astonished at Jesus. When John had a chance to write his own words about what it was like to be around Jesus, and I'm reading from 1 John, he, he penned it like this. That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we have seen with our eyes... Which we've looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. I don't know what your picture of Jesus is. I know that if you grew up Catholic, you kind of saw the crucifix a lot. If you grew up Protestant, you kind of had him in heaven somewhere. (laughs) But for these early disciples, these earlier followers, people like John who wrote those kind of words, the picture they had of Jesus was a fully alive, fully engaged, deeply loving person. You could see it in his eyes. You could feel it in his hands. You knew that this was life as it ought to be lived. Some of you guys like to watch LeBron James go to the bucket. And when he goes to the bucket, left or right, you hit the guy next to you and you say, now that's ball. That's basketball. Four or five years ago, I came and Lauren, my brother-in-law, who you're all praying for. Thank you, Corey. Had some tickets for Yo-Yo Ma. We went downtown into the symphony hall and we listened to Yo-Yo Ma play his cello. Now, we would say to each other, now that's music. See, what got the early disciples to follow Jesus wasn't because he had them on the payroll or because he'd promised them certain things that they wanted. They saw in him life. This is what human beings are to be like. This is how we're to think and to feel and to respond. He's us full on. His favorite title was Son of Man. That's another way of saying, I'm what humanity ought to look like and be like. When they looked on Jesus, they saw the glory of their own living unencumbered. And they pressed in against Him. Oh my gosh, can you imagine going to a funeral with this kind of life? This kind of Jesus? Take Him to a party. Have Him at a wedding. These are the Gospels Will you watch him break out in typical ordinary scenes of everyday life with what can emerge in the person who's fully alive. They were astonished by Jesus. So how is it that you're planning to be a follower of His and not be astonished by Him? How is it that you're planning to follow Jesus if He's not astonishing you with who He is? It all starts with Him. He's the best author we have in, in all of Christianity. I mean, we've come along and added a lot of different doctrines and theologies and things that are helpful around Jesus. But those disciples, they knew Him before they understood the carnation, The incarnation, they knew Him before they had an opinion of the second coming. The early disciples knew Him before they knew about the inspiration of Scripture. The early disciples were with Him before they knew all about original sin and what it meant all the doctrines and theologies that are helpful that we kind of know our christianity by dim in comparison to what they had which is just the experience of being astonished by him so here we come along 2000 years later trying to be christian but it won't work if we're not astonished by the very source of that life which is Jesus himself i mean that's why the crowds were pressing in on this man is because he was radiating a radiance of god he had a life in him to give And I'm becoming convinced that there's no way for you and I to follow him if we're not astonished by who he is. And I don't know what your picture of Jesus is, but I know you've got one. And I'm telling you, first base in how we grow to become like him is to let him begin to refresh who he is into us. That's why the first followers were following him. That's what they had going. If we said, can you give us back... You're being astonished by him and still be his disciple? They would say, Absolutely not. So, why is it that you're following him? Let me tell you a couple of things that won't take you very far down the road of following Jesus, if it's in fact the main motivation of why it is that you've come to follow him. Some of you have been brought into Jesus by the doorway of fear, you've been scared. You've been scared all the way into Jesus. You know, somewhere, somehow, somebody told you about hell. And it was a bad picture. And it's where people that have unforgiven sins are going. So you did the math real quick, real, uh, really quick in your head, and you said, Well, hold it. I don't want to go there. See, yeah, that categorizes you as a fairly intelligent person. So if, if, if I want to avoid that, what do I need to do? And somebody told you, you need to pray this prayer. So you bowed your head, your head and you asked Jesus then to forgive you of your sins, which was code for, please don't ever let me experience one day in hell. And in that transaction, then you understood that Jesus forgave your sins and now you know that when you die, you will not go to hell. And I'm telling you, if that's what you're in the ball game for, it will not draw you into the life that Jesus came to offer you. Now, having our sins forgiven is a necessary step, but it's not the goal of Jesus coming and living here. He's not trying to keep us out of hell, folks. He's trying to get us into life. Do you hear the difference? And if you've been scared and you've met a fearful God, then probably what you did was made a transaction to say, well, I never want something bad to happen to me. Oh, God, keep me from hell. And when Jesus just becomes the one who can forgive your sins then there's no reason for you to become His disciple after your sins have been forgiven because you got everything you thought you were supposed to have. The second doorway that won't last long if you've been brought to Christ through it is the doorway of need. Now this is tricky because Jesus met needs. So we're not taking that back away from Him, but we're saying that if you come to God primarily through the doorway of a crisis or of a giant need in your life, then what happens when the need is over? What happens when the crisis is finished? Well, then your need for God is over. Because He's as good as the needs that you present to Him. And if you come through the doorway of need, then the crisis itself is the only motivator. And boy, we need to present our needs to the Lord, but there's so much more that Jesus has to draw us to Himself than just the doorway of need. And then finally, I would say, if you've been brought to Him through the doorway of tradition. And tradition is just simply, you know, if you will, just being raised by good Christian folks, being brought to church early on as you could, being pressured to go when you didn't want to go. For all the good that's in that kind of family, there's also a way that we can grow ourselves up simply in the traditional response to Jesus. And we're just so afraid of letting our folks down or disappointing people that have poured into us That we more or less cook up some type of of Christian walk, but it's not being astonished by Jesus. And in that kind of tradition, self-righteousness just drips because we're doing the right things. In fact, in this doorway, sin, sin still looks pretty enticing. In, in this way, it still, it still looks like we're getting ripped off for having to be a Christian. I mean, the other people get to sleep around, they get to drink, they get to stay up, they get to have all the fun, but you know, we're kind of traditionally Christian, which means we don't do those things, and then the payoff later should happen when we get ourselves to heaven. Hopefully we marry the right people, pro- procreate the right kind of kids, buy the right kind of home, and we kind of have this traditional Christian picture that we more or less feel ourselves captured in, and frankly we're not being astonished by Jesus. And see, there's no need to be discipled by Him if you're just kind of on the traditional rigmarole of, well, I don't know how to get out, and it would disappoint Mom and Dad so much, and Grandpa if I got out, but, you know, I guess, I guess I'm in. You know, your kind of, your kind of praise song is, um, I have decided to follow Jesus. You guys know that one? Did you hear that one? No one. I have decided to follow... Except you've made a few little, you've made a few little changes like that. Um, except on Friday nights I'll follow Jesus. Except on, except uh, if it doesn't cost me any money, I'll follow Jesus. <laughs> See, because if we've come into the doorway of fear, and you know your own story better than I do. I know the one I walked in. If you came through the doorway of your own needs and crisis, oh God, get me out of here now. I'm so ashamed of what I've done. Or if you come in through the doorway, if you know, it's just kind of a great tradition for me, and I disappoint way too many people if I left. I'm telling you, those three doorways will not produce the kind of following discipleship that Jesus is offering here. See, they saw in him life. His kind of living is what he wanted to pour into them. And when they were so astonished by him that they couldn't leave him alone, so they became his followers. And then he turned to them and said, I want you to come and follow me. I want you to become not only astonished by me, but I want you to become to live like me. Do you hear the difference? One is they're amazed by getting up close to who he was and what he could do. But then as they got close to him, they heard him begin to say, don't just be astonished by me. I want you to become like me. And See, that's, that's, that's the difference. And I don't know if some of you have, have turned that corner. A is, are you astonished by him? B is, then, is it the kind of relationship where you're not just astonished by Him, but you're learning to become like Him? The best story that I know that kind of shares this is is Peter in the boat in in, um, Matthew chapter 14. Jesus had sent His disciples on out on a lake. Can you picture that in your mind? He'd gone up to the mountain to pray. He had a heavy day of ministry with them, and He sent them out a little bit earlier. And he went up to pray and be renewed. In a time of prayer, the disciples were out on the boat and the waves began to come up against the boat and they were working against the wind, the scripture says. And about the fourth watch of the night, which is basically in the middle of the night, Jesus begins to come down onto the lake and he doesn't need to really walk around because he's master. So he just sticks out on the water, begins to walk out, and he comes up near enough to the boat that they kind of picture somebody coming to them. There's a little bit of fear. Who is out there with them on the water? And the disciples begin to panic. And it was Peter who got the idea that said, well, you know, could that be Jesus? And he looked out and he said, Jesus, if that's you, call me out to you. Now that's a crazy idea because Peter was in a boat when he had that idea. And so now we've got to think about that. That's probably not what you and I would say from boat. And Peter's the one who pipes up in the middle of the boat and he says, Look, if it's you, Jesus, call me to come on out. And so then Jesus says, Come on out, Peter. You know? And so you know, if you've grown up in church or if you've read this before out of the Gospels, you, you realize that Peter did something that I don't think we have on record anyone else ever doing. He stepped out of the boat. I don't know if it was the right leg or the left leg first, but the man actually came out of the boat when he was in the middle of the lake. See, because he's walking towards Jesus who's already out there on the water. And when he came over the boat, he began to walk. And then often what you've heard in that sermon is that then the waves began to come up against Peter, and he became afraid, and he began to sink, and Jesus reached down and saved him. And we all go, oh, he should have never got out of the boat. What was he thinking? Lucky that Jesus was around to save him again. Get him back in the boat where he's supposed to be, give him his little assignment, wrap a towel around him. What were you thinking when you got out of the boat, Peter? You knew it was water. (laughs) You never hear the sermon about the three steps the man made. I'd put that on my resume. Good with kids, experience with pets, and walked on water three steps Thursday night, one time in my life. <laughs> See, here's the deal. There's all these disciples sitting in the boat. They were all followers of Jesus. One of them knew that the whole thing that Jesus wanted to do was not have them sit in the boat and believe good things about Jesus. The whole idea is not sitting in the boat and believing important, right, good things about Jesus. The idea of being his disciple is to actually learn from him how to do what you see him doing. To be astonished that he can do it is one. Then to understand he's showing you that so that you can learn to do what you see him doing is the second step. And it was Peter who broke the ice and stepped out of the boat mentality and began to walk on water and that was something that Jesus was thrilled about. And you can sit in the boat. This whole semester, you can sit in the boat this whole year. And you can believe right things about Jesus. You can believe important things about Jesus. But what He's after with you is to astonish you that He knows a few things about life and how it can be fully lived. And then He invites you to learn from Him how to do what you see Him doing. Everything we see Jesus do And everything he taught, he intends for you to experience and learn. Everything Jesus taught, everything you see Jesus doing, he intends for you to learn how to do it and to experience it. See, the boat is full of people who will sing worship songs about what they believe about Jesus. They sit inside and say, well, we can write another little hymn about that. They can sit in the boat and kind of all, you know, if they have an overhead, they can put it up. Of course, you can out in the open sky. They kind of all sing the song. "Is our Jesus walks on water. Oh, yes, he does. Our Jesus walks. Hey, we're on the boat. Oh, yes, he does. Let's put a girl's part. Our Jesus walks, guys. Our Jesus walks on water. And that's like, you know, in the boat, we believe great things about Jesus, and we worship Jesus, and we talk a lot about what it is to know things about Jesus and we say that's that's it that's it that's it now when you die you go to heaven and then of course you begin to change when you get to heaven but down here on the earth we stay in the boat we believe important things about Jesus and that's what the game plan is and Peter says I don't think so I didn't come in through that door if I did I don't want that anymore he's not trying to keep secrets from us he's trying to pour his life into us he's looking for people who are willing to step out over the boat And of course, we don't know what's going to happen when we get over the boat. But we know that as we are with Jesus, then it's all about just doing what we see Him doing. And by His grace and His presence to us, we begin to realize the life we're made for. See, I don't know if you've heard this yet, but Christians aren't astonishing very many people anymore. We have great boats. And they have really good parking lots. And they have efficient nurseries. And well-drafted mission statements. And we know we believe about the second coming, and the incarnation, and the virgin birth, and original sin, and all those important things. We've handled that extremely well. What we're missing is the experiencing of a Jesus who astonishes us into a way of life that we say, if you're doing it, I want to learn to do it too. In other words, I want to become an apprentice of Jesus. Not a consumer of some things that He did for me, but somebody who's arranging my life to be with Jesus so I can learn from Him how He did what He did to His glory. The glory of Jesus, the glory of our teacher, is found in the development of his students. If we really want to lift up Jesus and let him be known as the astonishing one that loves the whole world and discriminates against no one, he's going to have to have some people that radiate his kind of living out into today. See, most of the world thinks he lived 2,000 years ago and treats him historically. We're in on the secret that Christ is living in us, being formed fully in us. And the way the world gets that picture is as we act and do and feel and love like Jesus, they begin to think maybe he's not just historical only. And the glory of Jesus and the relevance of Jesus today is found in the development of his students now, are you a student of Jesus or are you just getting your needs met? Are you a student of Jesus or are you just avoiding hell because it's really hot? I've heard at rotisseries, I don't know, I've heard. Are you a student of Jesus or are you just a traditional Christian and you're really thankful that mom and dad taught you a good moral life and, you know, at the end it should pay off with a good marriage and the right kind of mortgage? Are you a student of Jesus? Does he astonish you? Guys, let him compete. If there's someone else to follow, then go follow that one. But don't stay vanilla when you've got a person like Jesus saying, come follow me so that everything I know I can teach you. It's a boat, though. I kind of like the boat. It it, it works. And I believe important things about you. You know, when you get to heaven, do you think you're going to be approached at the pearly gates and they're going to say, is it Barry? Yeah, Barry. Barry Brown from San Francisco. I think you have me under Protestants. Let me look here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. It's children's camp. It uh, looks like 1965. You, uh, you did the prayer. Oh, man. Glad you guys didn't lose that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I see here that you, you checked uh, that you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Yes, yeah. yeah, it's checked. Yeah, I did that in 1965. Whew. And the next question, might it be? Well, Barry, did you cheat? Cheat? Yeah, did you just look up the answer in the Bible? Or did you live the life? Whoo! Oh, I know a lot of answers from the Bible. You know, we believe them in the boat. Our Jesus on. <laughs> but you're talking about living the life. Oh, did he intend for me to live the life? Oh, which life? Like, you know, my best version that makes my mom a happy life? No, Barry, he actually was presenting you his life. He was looking for some people to become students of his throughout their whole life, that would really glorify Him by becoming like Him. Oh. Well, if there's still an opportunity to say yes, I want to pray that prayer. Oh, Jesus, I need You to astonish me again. Because there's nothing else that will take me into being Your student unless I see in You an unmatched life like no other. And that you would turn and say to each person here, Come follow me. Because what you're being drawn and what you're seeing in me is something I'm going to put and teach you. And there's a deep part of everybody's soul that says, You're not playing with me, are you? Because I'm a little tired of the boat anyway. And we begin to step out and follow Where was it that you decided to make Jesus more than the one who forgave your sins? Where is it that you decided clearly that you were a student of his, learning everything from him that he would be willing to teach you? You haven't left that one flapping, have you? You you wouldn't want to miss that. That's what he meant when he said, come follow me. And you don't have to go somewhere else to answer that question today. You can simply say in your own inner heart, yeah, that's it. That's what I want. In closing, if you're not astonished by Jesus, just do this. Go back and take one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Those are the accounts of Jesus and simply read what he said and look at what he did. Just do that. Do that for maybe 30 days. You can miss some. But just look again at what he said and what he actually did. And let Jesus compete. If somebody's offering you something better than what you're going to read or what you're going to hear, then I would say, follow that one. But let Jesus present who he is to you fresh. And if you've not made a decision in your own mind after that 30 days about who it is that you're entrusting your life to and who it is that you're following, then I would say find that opportunity to be on your knees before him and say, look, I want to be out of the boat with you. 1 John chapter 1 says, if we are going to say that we claim Jesus, then we're going to be people who are going to learn to walk as he walked. Tonight I want to talk about what Jesus thought was the most important thing to teach his students. He was very, very clear on what it is. You'll want to know it as you're being astonished and following him. The next talk I want to talk about, how do you become transformed into being more like this Jesus we're talking about. There are practical steps of grace that we can learn about as his followers. And in the last talk I'm intending to talk about how it is that he would send us into the world in his name. Jesus, we thank you for this time. We thank you that you've got these students here uh, so that you can spend time developing their minds, their social skills. So many of the ways that you're shaping and forming them are just wonderful. They're already underway. But now we're in that point where we're asking that you would teach us to become your students in the very center of our hearts at the core of our being. Thank you that you know each one by name and that you're in a conversation with each one. And to each one of us, you say, come follow me. And each one of us can only make our own response. Hear our hearts now as we sit in your presence. Listen to what we're saying to you, Jesus. Continue to call out to us in our times together and make us students and followers of yours. For your glory. 9, 7 p.m. You are dismissed. Go in peace.